All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome you to episode 19 of SCAR. And SCAR stands for Seeking Courage and Redemption. Now, I want to tell you a little bit of the intent of the podcast, sort of the, the why are we here? And we're here to work out our trials or our hardships in such a way that we begin to see God's glory and begin to unfold his plan for our lives. Now, you may be asking yourself, why me? Like, why do I need to listen to Scar? And the truth is, is that we all have stuff, guys. We, we all have issues, right? Whether big or small, it's there. It could be something that uh, is, is stopping us from being able to, to work, like our health declining or, or maybe uh, the pandemic, the COVID-19 that we're in the middle of right now. It could be relationship drama. It could be a difference um, with our friend. And it looks like maybe, maybe our friendship is on the rocks. It, it could be so many different things um, that we're dealing with in this life and this stuff can start to accumulate it can it can it can begin to accumulate in such a way that it can even change the trajectory of our lives and that's what we do here is we just basically share the stories of um what's going on in our lives and we introduce you to people who can who has gone through stuff or who can help lead the way as we go through stuff. And I'm so excited to introduce this next guest. Uh, my next guest is Joel Hallbaker. Now, Joel is uh, an expert in, in leadership, uh, blended families. Joel, tell everybody hello. Good morning, thank you. Hey, Dustin, thanks for having me on. Man, I'm excited you're here, man. And uh, we're gonna get into some of this. <laughs> But, uh, but tell us a little bit about, about how we got here, kind of what you do, Joel. Certainly. Thank you. Um, and like I said, I'm, I'm excited to chat with you this morning. I love the focus of your podcast. I love what you're doing. And uh, I think it's important that people hear stories of others that are going to help them understand that they're not alone, whatever it is that they're dealing with. So um, for me, my, <laughs> I work a lot with blended families. You mentioned that. I also work a lot in the leadership space. And those are both results of my past. I grew up in a blended family. My parents split up when I was in middle school. And about a year after that, my mom started dating a guy that I call my stepdad, even though they never married. Um, and then as an adult, I'm also divorced and remarried. I've got two kids from my first marriage. And um, my ex-wife is also remarried. She lives about two miles south of me. We live in a small town in Alabama where everybody knows everybody. And so we, um, you know, we try really hard to get along well together. It's, it's not always rainbows and butterflies, but I feel like we've been really blessed to, uh, to have had some good counselors that have helped us make some, uh, some pretty good decisions when they could have been maybe a lot, hurt, a lot more hurtful than, than what ended up happening. Um, and then in my day job, I've been a, I've been a high school history and Bible teacher for uh, 14 years. This is actually my 14th year in the classroom right now. And uh, again, I feel very blessed to get to do things that I love. Uh, I've coached soccer for years. I've taught for years. I work with blended families. I speak on leadership. And honestly, like if I had a million dollars in the bank and I could do those things for free, I would still do those things because they're just fun. Absolutely. So I feel very blessed to get to do stuff that I would do for free anyway. You know, and I love I love hearing that all of the stuff that that you do and you're into and you're making an impact with your story, with your testimonies, and all of that. Now, 
I kind of want to, I want to talk to you a little bit. It sounds like um, uh, my parents, my parents divorced when I was really, really young. I, I hardly even remember them together as a couple. Um, I do remember a lot of the arguments and a lot of the fighting and all of that. But um, now your, your parents divorced when you were in middle school and then you got divorced mm -hmm. later on. Now, now being yeah. uh, a, a, a Bible grad and, and teacher and, and all of that, um, tell me, tell me a little bit um, on your view of, of divorce and, and what that kind of looks like and, and, from a biblical standpoint. Um, so <laughs> I, I believe that the Bible is pretty clear when it talks about how divorce is not something that's supposed to occur. Um, I also know that we live in a fallen and sinful world. And um, unfortunately it happens a lot more, even in the church, it happens a lot more than it should. Um, I believe that the Bible talks about divorce being permissible in the case of um, infidelity. Um, and it depends on how you define that. Are you talking physical or emotional or some combination thereof? Um, but that's that's what I believe the Bible teaches. And so when I share this message in churches, it's really interesting because a lot of times the pastors talk with me before I do my presentation because they want to make sure that I'm not ever going to be encouraging people to get divorced, sure. which is totally fair. I totally understand. That's like, no, 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 that's not the point. What I'm saying is we live in a world where people are going to get divorced. Yes. So I want to help them figure out how to do that well if they've already been through it. Yes. I'm, I, I don't, you know, I would my goal was to never get a divorce. I remember going through it with my parents. It was painful. It was hard. And my parents had a great divorce. They got along better than any, than a lot of married couples I've seen after they were divorced. They got along a lot better with each other after they were divorced. Um, but I know it's not designed that way. I know it's not supposed to be that way. And again, I'm, I'm not saying that can, uh, to condemn anybody because, because I am that I'm divorced and remarried. Sure. Um, but, I was very thankful to have seen a good example from my parents so that when I did go through my divorce, I had something to fall back on that was very different than what we normally see in the culture. If you look at television, if you look at movies, if you look at books, very rarely are step parents in general or second marriages at all presented positively, right? Outside of the Brady Bunch, you just don't see that right. very often. You hear, you hear a lot about evil stepmoms. Yes, you don't hear yes. a lot about successful second marriages. Yeah. And that's, that's part of the gap that I'm trying to fill is to help people realize that just because something happened in your past, whether it was your fault or your ex's fault or some combination thereof, which is, which is normally the case, let's be honest, very rarely is it ever any one person's fault entirely. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, and, and, you know, yeah, but whatever I, the reason, you know. I think that answer was spot on, man. I mean, that answer was great. Like we know, we, we know what the Bible says. We know um, all of that. The truth is we do live in a fallen world and it is going to happen. It is going to happen. And so that's kind of what we're going to be um, touching on today is, is what that looks like and, and what it looks like when you go into a blended family. Now, with divorce and, and all of that, what kind of impact did you see um, on on your kids? What kind of mm -hmm. impact did you feel when your parents were going through a divorce? What was the impact on the children through that time? So everybody's divorce is different because the the amount of kids you have, the age they are, the, the gender that the kids are, boy or girl, or you know, where you got one of each or multiple of each or whatever, those things all make every divorce unique because the ages of the kids 
uh, makes a big difference on the impact. And I was in middle school when my parents divorced. My older brother was in high school. My younger sister was in elementary school. We had never known a world other than our parents being together. And we had been in that world for, you know, a pretty good amount of time. I was 13. Um, whereas when, when I went through divorce, my younger daughter was two years old, three years old, maybe my older one was like five. And so they don't have a whole lot of memory of their parents together. Most of their lives have been their parents apart or their parents together with someone else. And so the effect that my divorce had on my kids was different than the effect that my parents' divorce had on me because the age is different. Um, I think that there have been, you know, there's obviously there's going to be a lot of hurt. There's going to be a lot of um, a lack of understanding from the kids. They often don't understand the reasons why the divorce occurs. And one of the things that my parents did that I thanked them for that we also tried to do with our kids was they sat us down and told us repeatedly and explicitly, this is not your fault. So don't blame yourself. And you need to know that in the future, we're not going to be getting back together. So if you're, if you're going to be trying to hang on to that, if you're going to try to manipulate the situation to make that happen, you need to let that go. And again, not in a mean way, but in a very realistic way, because I know a lot of kids when, you know, when their parents split up, they're thinking, well, how can I get them back together? I want mom and dad. That's how it's supposed to, well, I I get that. And so I wanted to be very clear, especially as our kids got older, I wanted them to know, listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to be hurtful or hateful, but you need to understand that that's gone. That's in the past. It's not something that's going to be coming back, right? We can reconcile. That is their mom and I can reconcile. That does not necessarily mean remarry. We can get along. We can co-parent without her and I having to be together. Right. Because again, what that does is it gives the child a little bit more um, security in understanding the fact that it, it's not your job to try to bring us back together. It's not your place. That's not what you should be trying to do anyway. And so it, whether the kids know it or not, it provides them with a little bit more stability in a very unstable situation. So that stability is, is kind of, uh, that, that stability is, is so strong and it's, and it's so needed because I've seen parents, I've seen adults who just kind of, uh, they don't take marriage seriously and they, they will bounce around from marriage to marriage or woman to woman or man to man, whatever. And, and they will bounce around. Um, and, and it just, it creates a lack of instability in, in the child's life and, and all of that. So, so maintaining that stability, that strength, that structure, and, mm-hmm. and letting them know it's not their fault, okay? Um, but mommy and daddy, we just, we just didn't see eye to eye, and, and, and we're not, we're not going to go back together, but right. we can move forward together in a way Mm -hmm. that we figure out our new normal but let the adults kind of kind of kind of put that together yeah yeah absolutely you said it really well the idea is how can we move forward with a new normal that still provides structure that still provides stability that still provides safety um, you know, for the children, but it's going to look different. We're, we're going to have different houses where we may end up with different relationships in the future. That is with another adult. Um, but ultimately what, what is very important is making sure that the kids know that the parents still love them, that, 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 that the kids are still a priority for the parents, that the kids are still going to be loved and taken care of even though their parents aren't together anymore. That's a very important aspect of it as well. Because again, that's something my parents did really well. When, um, when they split up, we lived with my mom 
Um, dad moved out and we stayed in the same house with mom. Um, but dad moved, you know, five minutes down the road and he came and picked us up for school every day. So even though we lived with mom, we got to see dad almost every single day. And that provided, again, it provided a lot of that same stability. It provided a lot of that, that same structure because we knew mom and dad get along pretty well. Mom sees dad every morning when he comes to pick us up. And our family was weird though. We still, you know, we still celebrated Thanksgivings together for a few years after my parents split up. Uh, we would have mom and dad and mom's boyfriend and all the kids at the dinner, you know, at the Thanksgiving dinner table together. And I didn't know that was weird till I went to college because I didn't really know anybody else whose family was divorced. This is back in the, um, um, you know, mid nineties, divorce was a lot less common 25 years ago. And I didn't know how weird that was until I started sharing that in college. You know, you go to college and you, you talk with people and you start sharing some of your life story. And I would tell them about Hallbaker Thanksgivings and they'd kind of go, what? I thought your parents were divorced. Yeah, they are, but they still celebrate Thanksgiving together. Yeah. Is that, aren't they not supposed to do that? Yeah. I had no idea. So Joe, what do you say? What do you say to the, the family that's Mm -hmm. not like that? To, what do you say to the family that um, has has children in a situation where mom and dad are volatile, where mm-hmm. they are they are a powder keg waiting to boom, and and the situation is drastically different. So the first thing that I do is I try to talk with the parents individually, and I try to begin from a place of empathy. Because again, having seen divorce as a teenager and having gone through it as a parent with two kids, I've seen it from both sides and I understand all of the hurts that are there. Because the danger is when I'm trying to work with families, if I step into a situation, I immediately tell them, here's what you should be doing. Nobody wants to hear that. That's not helpful. And so what I try to do is begin from a place of empathy and just let them know, hey, listen, I understand that you're hurting right now. I understand you are furious at your ex. I don't know exactly what they did. It's not my business. That's totally okay. What I'm telling you is, well, actually what I'm asking you is, are you happy with where things stand currently? Because if the answer is no, then I would like to invite you to try to do things differently on your end and see if that doesn't get a better result moving forward. You can't change your ex. Okay. I learned that lesson I learned that lesson fiercely and I learned it actually from my ex-wife's dad. I was over at his house one day after the divorce complaining about his daughter because that makes a ton of sense, right? You go back to your ex-wife's dad to complain. Like, what an idiot I was. So I'm over there one day and I'm just griping about something. And I don't even remember what it was now. And she may not have even done anything wrong in that time. I was just angry. So I'm griping to her dad and he finally, he just cuts me off mid-sentence. He says, Joel, listen, if you couldn't get her to listen to you when you were married, what makes you think you can get her to listen to you now that you're not married anymore? Wow. It was a swift kick in the pants that I needed. And I thought, wow, he, you know what? I didn't really like hearing that, but you're exactly right. It, because in that moment, I realized two things. One, it wasn't my job to change her. That was my first big misunderstanding, even when we were married. But two, now that we're not married, dude, I got to let that go. Yeah. It's not my job to get her to do what I want her to do. It never was. It's certainly not now. And so what I learned from that is if what I'm doing isn't working, let's try something else. Let's try something that's more positive and less angry. And so that's the first thing that I try to counsel people with is if you are not happy with how things are, are you willing to try to do things that you haven't tried before? Are you willing to be uncomfortable for the sake of making things better in the long run. Because here's, here's the other thing that people don't like to hear, but it's very true. If you and your ex have a very volatile relationship mm-hmm. and all of a sudden out of nowhere, you just start being nice to them, what are they going to do? How are they going to respond? Right. Is it going to be, 
they're, they're going to be shop. suspicious. Yeah, they're going to be right. what, what in the world is going yeah. on here? Yeah. They're going to they're going to they're going to wonder what you're up to or what you're yeah. trying to get. They're going to wonder what what's the catch, mm-hmm. right? And and that's not fair, but it's true. And so what I have to tell people is listen, when you start changing your own attitude towards your ex, it's going to take a while because they they don't trust you right now. Yeah. That's part of why you're not married anymore probably, right? Cuz everybody gets hurt when you're going through divorce and trust gets damaged. So of course, they're not going to believe you if you just act nice to them once. But if you make it a habit where every interaction you have with them is calm and rational and kind, then over time, that is going to bear fruit. And they are going to, or at least they're more likely to start responding to you in the same way. You know what? I, but it's going to take time. I love that, Joe. You know, that's good wisdom, even in a marriage, like not, not just a divorce, but even in, even in a marriage, like. You know, if, if y'all were constantly button heads and you were constantly having issues and this and that, um, you, you know, maybe you need to change your approach. You know, maybe yep. maybe you need to realize that it's not just one sided, that this thing is not just her yep. fault. This thing is not just yep, his fault. And and yeah. and when we show niceness or we come at it at a different way, the other one's going to be like, whoa, now something's up. But yeah, gradual, that's right. They're after something. They're after something. Yeah. And, and after that uh-huh. gradual lifestyle change and they start to see, okay, there are some real changes here. Uh, that's when yeah. I guess the quote unquote, the magic can happen. Not always. You can't like, you yeah, said, you can't fix right. Something. Yep. Um, that's right. Now, now and it's not, and you're, it doesn't mean you're all of a sudden, it doesn't mean they're all of a sudden going to start agreeing with everything you have to no, say, no. but at least, at least when they disagree, Maybe it's less volatile than it was before. And again, that, that provides more stability for your kids. That provides a happier lifestyle for you. As a person who was bitter at their ex for a while, I can tell you, when you can get past some of that bitterness, whether they act any differently or not, when you can let go of the bitterness, you're going to be a lot happier person. That's right. That's right. Now, now tell me this. Uh, when you talk about blended families, all right, mm-hmm. um, what do you say to the family that's not quite sure if we should blend because mm-hmm. my teenage son or daughter is ticked, is yep. not happy, is furious, doesn't like him or her, and we got yep. problems? That's a really complicated one. Again, each of these – so let me back up, and then we'll come back into that question. Okay. What I try to teach is a few basic principles that everything is built on because here's the reality. Every blended family is unique, and so there's not any one-size-fits-all answer that I can give to those kind of situations because okay. everyone is a little bit different. Here's what I can do. There's two key principles that I start with for every family that I talk to, okay? And they're very simple. They're very biblical. Here's what they are. One, you need to be the adult that you want your kids to become, okay? You need to be the adult that you want your kids to become. So that means if you want your kid to be a jerk, if you want your kid to be arrogant and angry and bitter, then by all means, do that. I love but that. If you want, but if you want your kid to be respectful, if you want them to be kind, if you want them to be responsible, if you want them to have integrity, if you want them to do the right thing, even when it's hard, you need to model that. Right. So that's the first thing. The second one is um, just remember the golden rule from your childhood or from the gospel. Treat other people the way that you want to be treated. Don't treat them the way that you've been treated. Don't treat them the way you think they deserve. Treat them the way that you would want to be treated. We teach this to five-year-olds in kindergarten, but we become adults and we get hurt and we just forget all of that. Again, I've I've done that. I've been guilty of that. So I'm not, again, I'm not condemning anybody. I'm telling you because I've done it poorly. Here it is. 
But those are the two principles. So here's the thing. Those principles apply no matter what the blended family situation is. Be the adult you want your kids to become and then treat others the way you want to be treated. But what those things look like is different in every blended family. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It's- so, so, so that's the idea there. So if you've got, um, if you've got a really complex or difficult uh, situation where people are thinking of forming a blended family, I would start from those two standpoints. So um, if you're thinking about it from the point of treat others how you would want to be treated, well, how would you feel about it if you're, let's say you've got a 15-year-old son who just adamantly is opposed to you getting remarried, how are you going to feel if your 15-year-old son brings home a boyfriend or a girlfriend that you just hate? Yeah. Yeah. Is that something you're going to be thrilled about? Now, again, it's not a perfect analogy, but it's one of those things where it's like, you know what? If your kid's already 15, then maybe it would be a better idea for you to wait until they graduate and move on. And then maybe you revisit this idea of, of getting remarried. Yeah. Because at, right now, you're, if you're not remarried, if you're a single parent, even if you're dating someone else, if you're a single parent, your priority is your kids. But when you get remarried, your priority has to be your spouse. Otherwise, you're dooming that marriage to failure. That is so big right there. Um, you, you know, you as a single parent, your priorities are your children. Yep. When you Having go, been a single parent, that's how it is. And when you go and get married, your priority is your spouse. Yep. Uh, and I think, I think so many times uh, we, get this, we get this very mixed up. Uh, I, I think, I think, I think we get this very mixed up now, um, looking into blended family. The first thing I think of when I hear you say the words blended family, I think of, here's a story mm-hmm. of a lovely lady. <laughs> you know, you know, yeah. I think of, absolute man. Yep. I think of the Brady bunch, man. And, and, but, but here's yep. the hard truth is when I watch something like the Brady bunch, I look back on my experience and I look back on my life and I'm sorry, Joe, that's not what we see. It is hard. That's right. It is a journey. What are some of the trials? What are some of the hardships that maybe a family is looking at if they're looking at coming together? I, (laughs) um, there's so many, so many. So it's interesting. I mentioned, um, before we came on, I mentioned this resource that I have called the Complete Blended Family Toolkit. And if any of your listeners are interested, have them have them send me an email or find me on social media. I'll send it to them for free because I want blended families to have it. Well, one of the resources in that Blended Family Toolkit is a list. It's called uh, Five Discussions That Every Blended Family Needs to Have. And if you're not yet blended, you, good. Have these conversations before you get blended because you need to know what it is you're in for. Because the thing is, the truth about blended family life is this. You're going to have exactly the same problems you would have in a nuclear family times two, or not times two, but to the second power squared, because it's not just your family. Now it's your family and an extended family that may have different rules. They may have different values. They may live in a different state. They may bring other kids in from there, whatever it may be. Your, your difficulties are going to be compounded. It's an order of magnitude difference. It's not just a little bit different. And I don't say that to try to make it sound like, well, you know, playing the, the victim in terms of, oh, our lives are harder than yours if you're in a nuclear family. That's not what I mean. What I'm saying is if you've never been in a blended family, you, just, you probably don't get it unless you've studied a lot or unless you've worked with a lot of blended families. So for, for people that are in the church community, if you've ever heard of blended family ministries, you've probably heard of a guy named Pastor Ron Deal. 
he is like the granddaddy of blended family ministry. So if you're looking for resources, check his out. He's wonderful. Um, Gil and Brenda Stewart are a good place to turn. Mike and Kim Anderson. Um, these are people that, that I've connected with that are doing great work. Um, but the truth is, and they'll tell you the same thing, I believe, blended families are just complex. And so you're, it's not just going to be an issue of, hey, who needs to get the kid to soccer practice today? It's an issue of which of the four adults from two houses is supposed to get the kid to practice and who's supposed to get them home? Is it the same parent? Is it a different parent? Are they going to the same house? Did they leave something from one house at the other house that they need for soccer practice? Yes. It's yes. just a, it's, it's a, it's a much more complicated mathematical equation. And we hadn't even gotten into Thanksgiving, Christmas. Mm -hmm. yep. Where's that child going to go? How's yep. he going to get – who gets them this year? Uh, taxes, who's yep. going to claim the child? Man, this is a yep. complex yep. thing. And then you start yeah. looking at, okay. And, and But you got to remember too, not only is it complex, it's complex coming from a context of hurt. Because every yeah. blended family begins with some kind of pain, whether it was losing a loved one, like a, a death of a spouse in a remarriage, or whether it's a divorce and remarriage. Every blended family comes from some kind of trauma or pain. And so it's not just complex. It's the context of hurt times the complex. So it's not just taxes. It's taxes on top of the anger left over from the money issues from the previous marriage. Yes. Like it, it is, it is a web. Yeah. It is a deep web. Yep. What do you handle it the same way as, do you handle it the same way as my kid doesn't like my, my new spouse as my spouse and my ex? do not like each other. And there is a, there is a, uh, you're not his dad. You're not his mom. Right. Do you handle those the same? No, I mean, you've, you've got to look at them differently. I mean, any relationship from a parent to a kid, whether it's biological or step, any adult to teenager relationship is going to look different than an adult to an adult relationship. But that adult to teenager relationship is also going to shift as the teenager gets older. So my older daughter is 15, going to be 16 very, very soon. And the way that all of us treat her is very different than how we treated her when my wife and I got married almost six years ago. Because when we got married, she was 10. Yeah. She, I mean, we, we literally got married like three days before she turned 10. Well, now she's about to be 16. That's a, I mean, anybody, any parent knows a 10-year-old, a 16-year-old, not a lot in common. No drastically different. completely different animals <laughs> yeah. so the way you relate to them has got to be different and i'll fully admit that's a lesson it took me a long time and a lot of hurt from me to my daughter to learn because i wasn't i wasn't treat, treating her any differently when she turned 13 i was still treating her like she was 10 and that caused a lot of pain it caused a lot of resentment and we're still dealing with some of the consequences of the pain that i caused her because of not treating her the way that i should have right um, and again, that, that's something that um, it's not fun to share, but it is, it is the truth. I don't want anybody in the, you know, any of your listeners that are, that are out there, I don't want any of them to think, man, this guy has it all together. He knows the answers. To no, right, right. <laughs> I know, I know, a, I know a lot of answers because I've done them wrong and then figured out how to go about it. Yeah. But all of those wrong things, they came with consequences. And I would love to spare other families the same hurt and consequences that maybe we've had to deal with. Some of our biggest lessons in life are learned from a place of failure. Let me just tell you. Absolutely. Let me just tell you just about all of our biggest lessons <laughs> in life come from uh, a place of failure. Um, what about the family 
that is struggling with what maybe maybe it hadn't presented itself mm-hmm. but the worry that you know my daughter or my son is going to feel unwanted or unloved when me and my new spouse have this child mm-hmm. yeah that's a great question because if if you can if you can preempt that if you can sort of um, start addressing that before it becomes a problem, that's a wonderful thing, right? And so there are lots of ways to go about doing that. One is just continual reassurance, right? Tell your child that you love them, hug them, show them that you love them by how you spend your time with them, prioritize them. And as you get closer to maybe a remarriage, prioritize your time with your kid and bring the future spouse along right? But it's got to be a slow process. And the speed with which that happens depends on the kid. So like my, my now wife and I, we dated for a little while before we told my kids about it. Because we wanted to make sure that this is something that could go long term. Because here's the other thing, if you're a single parent, if you're not 100% convinced that you're going to marry the person that you're dating, and if they're not 100% committed to marrying you, do not introduce them to your children. You do not want your kids getting attached to another person who is then going to be out of the picture in some way. I'm just, again, it's not a good idea. I've seen it and I've seen it go badly and I just don't encourage you to do that. I encourage you to take it very slowly. If you're not 100% convinced, do not introduce them to your kids. Yeah. How important important do you believe, and this is kind of a no-brainer, but um, how how important do you believe that, that Christ and the relationship with the local church and all of that can shape a blended family, a blended marriage. Can you speak into that? It's, well, it's, it's tremendous. Yeah. Now that's a great question though, because it seems like a no brainer. And on the one hand it is. And on the other hand, it's like, yeah, but there are lots of things we know that we still don't pay attention to. We know that it's bad to eat junk food all the time, but we still do. And that's why we have an obesity issue, right? My daughter's over here going, yep, yep. That's yeah. true. <laughs> because that's exactly right. But no, having, look, having a local church body that you're part of is absolutely crucial to any good marriage, any good Christian marriage. You need to be part of a body of believers, right? You need to be part of corporate worship. You need to be part of a system where you are encouraging others and they are encouraging you. You need to have other families around you that you interact with and that you connect with and that you can in- get encouragement from and that you can encourage them. And it's even more important to do that when you're in a blended family, because again, it's going to, it's going to be harder than you think. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because the thing is you and I could talk for hours about all the different blended family problems there are. And then tomorrow there's going to be another one that we hadn't thought of yet. There's something else is going to come up and you're like, I didn't even, how is, okay. Right. You're just not even going to know. And it's, it's a situation where, um, you don't know what you don't know. Right. That is, if I use the term ignorant and I don't mean that as an insult, I mean that as a statement of fact, it just means a lack of knowledge. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so this is what I mean by that. I, um, I had a car accident a few years ago. I was driving to school. I was actually driving home from school. I, I commute about 45 minutes each way to where I teach. Okay. So it's about a 40 mile drive home. And I'm driving home after soccer practice one night. It's nighttime. It's rainy. I'm on a highway doing the speed limit at 55 miles an hour. Okay. About 50 yards in front of me, a big truck pulls across my two lanes and stops, right? So now I'm doing 55, I'm 50 or 100 yards away, and it's nighttime and it's raining. Okay, so I have three options. I can take the car left into oncoming traffic and hope for the best. I can go straight into the side. I drive a little Honda Civic, by the way. I could drive straight into the side of this giant pickup truck and hope for the best. 
or I can take it right and put it in a ditch and hope for the best, right? So those are my three options, left, straight, or right. Well, I'm telling this story to a group of a high school freshmen. They're 14, 15-year-olds. They either don't know how to drive or they barely started driving. Right. And some kid who thinks he knows everything raises his hand and goes, well, why didn't you just hit the brakes? Dude. <laughs> Oh, you're right. You know what? I forgot there was a brake pedal. Thank you so much for – come on, man. It's 55. Here's the brake. thing. Yeah. He's, yeah. <laughs> he's never driven a car. He doesn't know. You got – your audience knows if you drive, if it's 50 – if you're doing 55 miles an hour and you slam on the brakes in the rain, yeah. you don't have any control. Now you don't have any options left. You're at the mercy of the hydroplane. Yeah. You're just going and, you know, close your eyes and hope for the best. Mm -hmm. And so I explained that to him and he went, oh, because all the other drivers in the room looked at him and went, are you dumb? Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and the thing is, he wasn't dumb. And God bless him. I should have been much gentler than I was. Because the thing is, he just didn't know. He don't didn't know, know what he didn't know. That's yeah. right. You don't know what you don't know. He yeah. didn't know. He didn't know about hydroplaning. The only driving he's done is on Mario Kart. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, I shouldn't hold that against him. And right. so I, should, I went back to him and I apologized. I said, listen, I'm sorry. I was meaner than I should have been. You just didn't know. Right. But that's the situation with blended families. You don't know what you don't know. And so if you're thinking of joining or, or creating a blended family, you need to do a ton of research ahead of time to at least open your eyes to how many things you don't know about. Right. You know, I'm so and, and that's something I would strongly encourage people to do. When I looked into um, you and your work and some of the things that that you do, um, I noticed you do leadership as well mm -hmm. as as blended family and at one i was trying to put it together and i was like mm -hmm. okay blended families and then there's this whole other joel that is leadership and and all of this and the more that that i thought about it i was like no it's not it's not this whole other joel it leadership goes hand in hand with with marriage divorce mm -hmm. uh blended family all of these different things, I heard a guy quote one time, and I forgot who said it, if you want to change the world, you've got to start, uh, uh, before you can get um, uh, any further, you got to change yourself, you've mm -hmm. got to, before you can change your family, before you can change your street, your town, your city, your, you know, and it just, and it just kind of snowballs from there. How important is leadership? Um internally self-leadership and 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 what does that look like mm -hmm. um what should we be doing on a daily basis to lead ourselves well no matter what situation we're in yeah no that's a great question and i'm glad that you brought that up because it um when I sort of transitioned from speaking and, and writing about leadership to focusing more on blended family life it wasn't actually a big shift it was more just a more specific uh, applicability because what I taught leaders is the same thing I teach blended families it, it's it's all about changing who you are and then by doing that trying to become a more positive influence on the people around you that that's how I define leadership leadership is the art of positively influencing the people around you to help them become better versions of themselves Good. right that's what leadership is so if you're if you're a father and a husband then my job is to try to help my wife and my kids become who God intended them to be. Right. Right. And it's also my job to help my ex become who God intended her to be. 
And now that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that I'm telling her what to do. It doesn't mean that I'm bossing her around like that. No, that didn't work when we were married. It's certainly not going to work now, but it does mean that how I relate to her should point her back to the gospel. That's what it means. Right. And so that's the idea of leadership. Um, And so you're exactly right. You, I mean, you can have an impact on others without changing yourself, but it's going to be very limited. Whereas if you are really focusing on becoming more of who God intended you to be, then your impact on others is going to be greater because now it's not you doing it. It's the Holy Spirit working through you. That's always going to go better. (laughs) That's always going to go better, right? Absolutely. So it's a a constant every day. It's a constant asking God to continue to remake you in his image, right? It's a constant asking God to show you your own sin more so that you can repent of that and then then become – Again, a better person. I'm sure your audience knows that the $8 Bible word for that is sanctification, right? It's a never-ending process of becoming more like the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what, that's what the Christian life is, and you're supposed to do that in whatever context you are in. So for me in a blended family, sanctification means becoming more like Christ, not just to my wife and kids, but also to my ex and to her husband and to their son because well, that's what? my job, right? My job is to live out the gospel. Where do I start if I'm just fed up? Man? If I'm <laughs> just a- done? If I if 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 I'm the guy that is listening to this podcast right now and I'm just throwing my hands up, nothing I do goes right. My my everybody hates me. My wife hates me. My kids hate me. Uh, 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 my ex hates me. Uh, um, I want to, I want to just walk away, uh, and Mm -hmm. drive in the car and go East and just never turn around again. (laughs) Uh, yeah. How does, how do I get from that to a point of leading myself and leading my family? Yeah. Again, that's a great question. I would, I would say a couple different things. Um, the first thing I would say is that the way that you feel in that moment is not unique to you. That is, everybody is going to feel that at some point. And the question is, what kind of person do you want to be and what kind of person do you want your kids to know you as, right? Because that's the other thing you have to consider is even if you just feel done, like I'm just, I'm ready to walk away, it's not about you if you've got kids. It's not about you if you've got a spouse. And that's the thing is if there's someone listening and they just heard that, they're probably thinking, I hate that guy. Yeah. That's okay. You, you can hate me. That's okay. Um, I take a number. There's plenty of people that do. Like, but the thing is, um, I don't, there's no magic bullet. There's no magic pill. There's nothing that's going to instantly change everything about how you're feeling. What I can tell you is I would encourage you to reframe. It's a term I learned from a business guy named Bob Berg. Reframe how you're thinking in terms of your situation. Because instead of focusing on how done you are, ask the question, what is it that I should be thankful for? What is it that I should be happy about? What is it that I should be looking to as a thing that is encouraging? Because I hate to say this, but no matter how bad things are, man, they could always get worse. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They could always get worse. And so look at the little, start with a very little thing. What are you thankful for right now? What are you thankful for in this moment? And then build on that just a little bit each day, right? Because it's going to be a process. And so there's there's uh, a ton of wisdom in that. I often uh, like to say it's a it's a day by day. It is a mm-hmm. journey. Um, this and, and that journey is what we call life. And Jesus said, uh, Jesus came so that we may have life and have it ab- 
abundantly. There's so much yeah. more beyond the here, the right now, the frustrations, the aggravations. There's so much more to life um, than the the immediate circumstance, right? A lot of mm-hmm. times we react uh, and respond um, when we should be proactive and we should lead. And so yeah. uh, I think that is just um, a, a great uh, uh, a great answer to a tough question. I think I've hit you with a few uh, uh, great questions here and you have responded uh, terrifically. So to the people that are out there that are either going through a divorce, um, that either have a marriage on the rocks, that are beginning a blended family, that are, that are struggling in a blended family or doing it well, I think that starting on the inside and learning the value of leadership, learning the mm-hmm. value of self-care, learning the value of love and, and learning and knowing Christ and growing in Christ will bring us closer to the situation, will bring us closer to Christ, who will bring us closer to wisdom to be able to get through the situation. It will not be easy. It will not be fun at times, but there is hope and that hope yep. is Jesus. And, and yep. so... Uh, I have I have absolutely uh, enjoyed this conversation. Now, I usually play a game with um, my um, guests that I have on here, and I'll throw either a Bible verse mm-hmm. or a saying um, or okay. something at you, and you just tell me the first thing that pops up. It's super easy. Okay. So, right. so going through this conversation. Uh, I have one thing that keeps popping up, and it is an age-old okay. saying that is the journey of a thousand miles begins mm-hmm. with one step. Respond to that. Yep. Um, so I would – it reminds me, actually, of um, a, a quote from J.R.R. Tolkien uh, in The Lord of the Rings. That's, that's my favorite book. I read it every year. Um, there's a quote in there where one of the characters, Sam, says, uh, the job that's never started takes the longest to finish. Right. And it's, it's the same kind of thing where as you know, if you've got a big task, you got to start one day at a time. And as long as you keep pushing it off, you're right. You're never going to get it done. That's huge. That's huge, man. So tell us more, where can people go to find out more information about Joel Hallbreaker, uh, about, uh, inverted leadership and, um, your ebook that you told mm-hmm. me about where, yeah. where can we go find more about Joe Hallbaker right now? Is there an easy place we can go? Yeah. So uh, thank you for asking. Um, I'm on social media. You can find me under my name, Joel W. Hallbaker. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Come find me in any of those places. I've also got three different websites that are different parts of my business. Um, you can find me at joelwhallbaker.com. That's about my leadership speaking. Uh, I've got a website called stepdadding.com. Dot com. That's a lot of the blended family information. And then there's a combination website where it's both, and that's called reallifeleading.com. Okay. And there's a, a contact Joel form on all of those different websites. Like send me an email again to your, uh, your listeners. If you want the step family toolkit, send me an email. I'll send it to you for free. If you want any of my books that I've written, send me an email and I'll send you a free PDF or an e-copy of the books. Because again, my, my goal is never to become a millionaire off selling books. My goal is to help people. And so that means if you want the book for free, I'll be glad to send it to you for free. Yes. Yeah. I love that, man. And that's exactly uh, what, what I say as well. Give me that email one more time. Sure. Uh, so the easiest email for me is joel at 
joelwhallbaker.com. All right. And for our, uh, Joe, for our, um, you just hang on just a minute for our, for our listeners. I just want to say it has been uh, quite a uh, episode here for anybody um, that is going through the thick right now, anybody that's going through the fire, whatever it may be, please know uh, that there is community to be found here. Please know that you're not alone, that we love you. And as for me, I will see you in the next couple of days.